There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. We want to thank you for tuning into the podcast again today. We certainly are thankful for the opportunity we have to preach again on the podcast. And it's been a couple of days since we were able to preach on the podcast. The children of Israel could not sing the Lord's song in a strange land. And it's very difficult to report a podcast when you're in somebody else's house. And it just, uh, with time and preaching and the restraints and different things, it got away from me. But I was very glad that there were some men who had recorded some podcasts we were able to put out there. Thanks to the Sealy, Brother Maury. We certainly appreciate good men of God that are willing to do the podcast, fill in, and uh, just really another voice on the podcast, another voice that someone can hear and uh, learn of Jesus Christ. And so we certainly appreciate that. Uh, later in the year, we've got a pretty long trip scheduled up north. We'll be up in Maine, Vermont, and back into Maine and be gone for a little over three weeks on that trip. And so I have some podcasts laid up that some men have recorded, and we'll be using them during those weeks. And so we do thank the Lord for each of those podcasts. We're in Psalm 144. We're going to return right where we left off, and that's Psalm 143. Today in Psalm 144. And again, as we look at the Scripture, and we look at the things of God here, and we see in this Psalm of David, and we see much in the Psalm of David, because he says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. And so David immediately gives credit to the Lord. And uh, if you know how to labor with your hands, it's because the Lord has taught you. If you know how to work, if you have a mind to be able to do things that God uh, has for you to do, then that's the great God of heaven is giving you that ability or giving you those gifts to each man. Each man can do different things. Each man has different abilities and different gifts. Each lady has different gifts, different abilities that God has given them. And David said, it was the Lord which teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. He said, my goodness, that's the Lord. He is good. The Lord is good and doeth good. He said, and my fortress, uh, my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and he whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. And so, again, we see the high tower of the Lord. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. The Lord is his high tower. The Lord is his strength. The Lord is his shield, his deliverer, his buckler, his, uh, his sword, all of those things we see in the Lord. It's the Lord that teacheth us to war and teacheth us to fight. But at the same time, it is the Lord that fighteth our battle. So even though he taught David to fight, if the Lord did not subdue his enemies, uh, also David mentioned this in this, he mentioned subduing his people under him. That was when Absalom, of course, is dead. Ahithophel is dead. Saul is dead. Those that oppose David are dead. Uh, God has subdued the rest of the people under him. There's no more war from his own. There's no more inward strife from within Israel for David. But he's his high tower, his deliverer, his shield, and whom I, he whom I trust, 
who subdueth my people under me. And our dear brother Maury, who preached yesterday in the podcast, he preached a great message many years ago. I hope that you've heard it or parts of it. Uh, but the idea that you cannot trust someone you do not believe in. And we are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And until you believe on him, you cannot trust in him. And so we trust in the Lord. David trusted in the Lord. And we realize that to trust him is because you believe him. You can't trust him if you don't believe him. And yet all the preachers in America tell them to trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God. And yet they don't believe God. And you can't trust him unless you believe him. Why do people not trust the United States government? Because they don't believe in the United States government. Why don't they trust their local politicians? They don't believe in their local politicians. Why can't wives trust their husbands? Because they don't believe in their husband. Why do husbands not trust their wives? Because they don't believe in their wife. And so David is telling you here that he trusts the Lord. Why? Because he believes in the Lord. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? And then here's a, and by the way, that is a statement. That is a sentence. It is a statement, not a question there. And then it goes on and says, Oh, the son of man, that thou makest account of him. And it's interesting. It has exclamation points, not question marks. It is a statement. And he's uh, making a dogmatic statement there because he talks about the son of man. And we know Job talks about the son of man. He's a worm and no man. And so David makes that same reference. Of course, the reference to Jesus Christ in his messianic reference and he says, of, of man then, man is like to vanity as days, for it's a shadow that passeth away. Of course, James told us it's a vapor that passeth away. But David says here, it's like a shadow that passeth away. It's just there for a short time. That is man. Uh, that's uh, all of us. That's every man. And the older you get, the more you realize your life is a vapor. Uh, it's here and it's gone. And what you've done in this life today. Uh, one of these days will be passed, and you won't have another chance, and you'll not have another opportunity because everything you've done will be gone in this life. And so he goes on and says, Bow the heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Now, when he looks at this, I do see this as, as most likely messianic because when the Lord did that, he did that because of his son. He did that uh, when Jesus Christ was offered for sin. These are the things that God did. He scatters them, shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them, he speaks of. So verse 5, again, bow to heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains, they shall smoke, cast forth lightning, scatter them, shoot out thine arrows, destroy them, send thine hand from above, rid me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Now, can we see that as Jesus Christ? Yes, we can, because God did that for him. Uh, it was his own that he came to. They received him not. as said they crucified him. And we know that. Then God came and delivered him. God grew him out of many waters. And we understand that according to the scripture. So I do see this as messianic in this particular case. Can it apply to David? Yes, I do believe it can apply to David here. Uh, David is uh, trying to subdue the people under him. God has subdued them. But then he also speaks now, those that are right hand of falsehood, those that have testified falsely against him, those that have lied on him. So, yes, it can be David, but just in the midst of this, I see just a little glimpse in there. And one of the key words there, really, when he talks about the Son of Man, of course, he speaks of that. But when he says that, rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. Where are strange children? They're in the pit and in the great waters, in the depths. And we see that according to the Scripture. And so, again, we see this is Jesus Christ. I believe it's Jesus Christ here. David is prophesied. But then he said, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, while I sing praises unto thee. And so, David, now that sweet psalmist of Israel, 
uh, goes into the place where he's going to sing a new song to the Lord. God has given him a new song. God has filled his lips. What is that song? Probably Psalm 145. It could be Psalm 144 that we're looking at. But if you look at Psalm 145, it certainly fits what David is speaking of there when we go into Mara's podcast. Because he starts off with, I will extol thee, my God, O King. And to extol him, to put him in his highest position, to put him in that place of honor, the highest place available is to extol him. And he said, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. And then he said this, and this is an interesting statement. I don't see this in other psalms. This is the only place I've ever really seen this. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, and there's a colon there, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. And so he speaks of David, but he calls himself David, if this is indeed David. So again, that made me take pause and look at this. And he says, it is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Again, why would David be speaking of himself in that manner, in that personage of David? Well, I believe he's speaking by the Spirit of Christ. It is the Lord's testimony of David. It is the Lord speaking of David. He's that holy man of God spake as he moved by the Holy Ghost. And God's given that instruction, that utterance to speak. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And so again, you wrestle back and forth with that. We see the strange children. But then he said this, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. Now, that certainly would fit David because David has sons. David had sons. Of course, Adonijah is dead most likely by this point. Absalom is dead most likely by this point. Um, and Amnon is dead at this point, the three A's of David's life. And then, of course, the infant son of David is dead. David has seen much sorrow. David has seen much hurt. But now he's given the Lord praise. He's given the Lord glory when he delivers him up from all his enemies and delivers him out of the hand, delivers him from the lying tongue that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. And so it fits David perfectly there. And so I don't see that as messianic necessarily. But the reason it fits David is because David's desire is for his sons to rise up as plants. And God does that in the person of Solomon. Uh, and God does that because God raises up Solomon. God raises up David's sons. He raised them up for the glory of God. Yet he has many sons that have died. That sword did not depart from his house, as Nathan the prophet had told him that would take place. And the tragedy of David's life. And yet through all that, David prophesied. David wrote psalms. David sang. David was a king. And yet through all the tragedy of his life and all the hurt of his life. And of course, we see that in these psalms. So there is a portion of this, I believe, no doubt to me, is messianic. I do see Jesus Christ in that. But I also see David's calamity probably more than even some others. And he kind of goes back and forth. He glorifies God. How he speaks on behalf of that one to come, which is Jesus Christ. He speaks on behalf of the Son of Man, certainly. And they brought him out of those waters. But then that our sons may be his plants in verse 12, of course, would be David. He has his sons. Could be the children of Israel. I understand that. He says that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. And so again, David is speaking of his sons and his daughters. We know David had both and had numerous of both. And that not only his sons would grow up and be strong men, there'd be plants that grow up, but then his daughters would be his cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. That they'd be anchored, they'd be strong, but yet they'd be beautiful. There'd be a strength to them in their beauty. 
That's what a beautiful cornerstone in a palace is. It's strength, but it's beauty. And so, so it ought to be with us, by the way. Why? Because that is Jesus Christ in us. He's that chief cornerstone. And yet there's a beauty of him. Uh, there's a beauty that men cannot understand until they see him by faith. And it's not that beauty and accomplishment that we should desire him. But no, as that cornerstone, there's a beauty. And, it, you know, it's, again, not to go too far the other way with this, but, you know, there are women that men consider beautiful naturally. There are men that uh, men consider somewhere beautiful cosmetically. But what is a truly beautiful woman? It's a woman that has strength. It's a woman that is a cornerstone. I mean, spiritual strength. I'm not talking about a weightlifter or one that takes steroids or throws the hammer in the Olympics. But no, one that has a spiritual strength to her. She might be the most small, timid, quiet lady in the world. But there's a beauty with that strength that she has with God as that polished cornerstone. That's what Davis desires of her daughters. That's what desires of my daughter. That there's a polished beauty that uh, men wouldn't see the outward beauty, but they'd see something on the inward. And they see something on that, that makes a difference, which is that man, Jesus Christ, on the inside. And he does make someone beautiful. He will give you beauty. And he goes on, then it says that our gardeners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. So, again, the blessings David speaks of here, he talks about their sons, talks about their daughters, talks about their gardeners that they'd be full. The sheep, of course, would multiply the blessings of God upon them. That's why he's singing this song. Why? Because God has now delivered him from their enemies. Uh, David is no longer running. David is no longer warring. David is king. The people are following David. They're subject to him. And so he's, he's asking for the blessings of God upon his people, upon his own generations, but also then upon the people of Israel, the garners, the sheep, that they might see them in the streets in thousands and ten thousands that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. That's what David's desirous of. Why? Because God's given him peace. And if God has given you peace, these things ought to be of you. Your children ought to magnify Christ. Your wife ought to magnify Christ. Your home ought to magnify Christ. He ought to be extolled in your home. And in that going out and that coming in, people ought to see this is a Christian home. What a tragedy is to be in a home that you'd never know is a Christian home. There's no evidence of it, not in their conduct, not in their life, not in their language, not in the accoutrements of their home, not in the decoration of their home. There's no evidence that this is a Christian home, yet there's so many like that out there. Uh, they might have a, a plaque on the wall that's somewhat spiritual, has a couple of NIV of course, verses quoted on it. But there's no evidence it manifest in the life that they live, in the life around their table, the life in their living room. It's not manifested. It's not manifest in the labor of their hands. And yet David is praying this blessing upon Israel that they would see that the oxen are strong, no breaking in, no going out. But then he said there'd be no complaining in our streets. Why? Because God has fully satisfied his children. And that's why with the New Testament believer, He's to be satisfied no matter what God throws his way. With food and raiment there, with to be content. That's what God gives. That's a blessing of God, to be content. There ought not be murmurers. There ought not be complainers. There ought not be those, uh, you know, think that God's failed them or God's given them a bad lot in life. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. You want to find happiness, then the Lord must be your God. You want to find happiness, you have to walk with God. If God gives you rest from your enemies, you ought to find happiness. Happy is the man whom God correcteth. And then David says, yea, happy is that people, talking about a nation, talking about Israel, whose God is the Lord.
Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing The glorious song of the redeemed